By the time you hear this podcast, your favorite color might be purple. The morning of the game, I opened the curtains in my hotel room and I was like, oh my God, it was like a scene from Moby Dick. It was like the winds were blowing, the palm trees, and the rain was one of those Miami rainstorms that just would not relent. We're in this truck sitting behind Don Misher, and I remember Don said, um, put me on the phone with Prince. Don says, now, I want you to know it's raining, and Prince is like, yes, it's raining, and are you okay? And Prince is like, can you make it rain harder? And I was like, right on. Beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Oh no, let's go! Don't lie. Take a look around. At least you got friends. Come on, lady. Oh, friendly world. Trust it on the front. It's all I We were told in 40 years it's never rained in the Super Bowl, don't worry about it. <laughs> so that went well. We were up in a booth at the top of the stadium, and the rain is pouring into the booth. It was so windy and rainy, we couldn't even see. I was just panicked. Prince was using four separate live electric guitars. The stage was made out of a very slick tile, which when it got wet was even more slippery. He had two beautiful dancers with him, the twins, okay? They were wearing, I think, eight-inch heels. And I was just saying, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with another episode. Thank you to everyone who has been listening uh, and downloading. Um, I haven't checked the stats this week as far as like uh, the most downloads. Um, but um, we are, we're probably over 1,100 now. Woo! Um, and, you know, I don't think with like every 100 episodes, we're going to like rec- every 100 downloads will recognize it. But it's, you know, that's that's pretty cool, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you to everyone who's been downloading and listening so far from all over the world. And we can prove it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to listen to our podcast, well, of course, you can subscribe to it on Podomatic. Uh, if you uh, like to keep all of your 
uh, podcasts in one place. There are several apps in which you can do that. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Castbox, Satchel Podcast Player, TuneIn Radio, Google Play. I always feel like I forget one. <laughs> I think you covered it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Google Play for the Android users. And I guess. Uh, Castbox for the Android users too. And so. Castbox. Mm-hmm. Um, TuneIn. Uh, for Android too, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. So many ways. Yeah. And the Satchel Podcast Player, the reason why we mentioned that is because you can find out uh, other podcasts that are produced in your area or just any specific area, but specifically in your area, you can see what uh, podcasts are produced near you and maybe you can connect and collaborate and whatnot. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on facebook.com slash by the time you hear this spelled with the word you. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is the same spelling for our email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com. And of course, visit our website by the time you hear this.com. So as we normally do, we get into some music news and uh, we're just going to lead with it, man. Um, There's always like some artist that like dominates the charts for a while. And it seems like it happens every few months. But like if I think like a couple of weeks ago, it was Drake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, All the all the songs from More Life were in the Hot 100. Um, And now that goes to Kendrick Lamar. Uh, his most recent release, Damn, simply titled Damn, period, period, <laughs> um, is the number one album. And he has the number one song. Humble is number one. It debuted at number two. Then it dropped to three the next week. And then the week after that, mm-hmm. it's number one. Um, he also has a distinction of the uh, he had a better first week with Damn than Drake did with More Life. Hmm. Is he is he number one on the um, their power index oh, the, thingy too? Well, let's see. Because I'm going to start calling that the triple crown. <laughs> and for the people who don't know, well, I'm trying to think because the triple crown is a baseball thing. But what's the um, what are the stats? They lead in what? Like on is it um batting average? Batting average, home runs, and RBI. And RBI is the triple crown. So this is the trip. If he if he is, he's got the triple crown. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar is number one on the Uh-oh. Billboard Artist 100. The previous number one was actually the Nickelback of EDM, the Chainsmokers. Oh, that's interesting. They almost had the Triple Crown, but they didn't have the number one single. They did not. Yeah. So Kendrick Lamar is now the triple has the Triple Crown. I'm gonna see if I can get that coined. Get that out there. The hashtag Triple Crown. Hmm. I. I Probably Major League Baseball has done something with that. I hope they haven't. Oh, you think they? <laughs> yeah, probably. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, congratulations to Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it'll be our triple crown, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the Ted Williams of rap. <laughs> um. So, uh, what else do we have going on here? Um, well, speaking of a little more Kendrick Lamar. The number one song of the in the country is Humble. Mm-hmm. And Mike Will Made It produced the song. And the, he says the song was originally made for Gucci. Which you can totally hear. That's, that's totally <laughs> a Gucci beat. 
Uh, I'm just wondering yeah. why we didn't hear Gucci rap on it. Like, what happened? I, like, I well, like you said before we started recording, I think a remix is coming. Oh yeah, we need a remix. Kendrick Lamar featuring Gucci. Yeah, maybe I think a even get like. I'm trying to think of another because, like, I know, like, I was gonna say get like another Atlanta artist on there, but like. I don't know, like, for me, like, when Gucci's on it, like, when you feature him on a track, you can't feature anyone else. Because I can't, I don't, I can't think of any other rappers that really match his style yeah. as a feature. So, like, if you feature him, it's, it's got to be, because, I mean, like, Black Beatles would have been odd with uh, someone else yeah. outside of Ray Sherman, or Sherman, however you say it, I always say it wrong. But, like, you know, money ever, like, we buy school clothes. Like, come on, we need, <laughs> I need more Gucci in my life. <laughs> uh, this is what Mike Will made it said. This is an interview with NPR. Uh, he said, with Humble, I knew that beat was going to capture a moment. It just felt real urgent. I made that beat last year when Gucci Mane was getting out of jail. Ooh. Sorry, it just yeah. makes me excited. Uh, I made it with him in mind. I was just thinking, damn, Gucci's about to come home. It's got to be something urgent that's just going to take over the radio. And I felt like that beat was that. I ended up not doing it with Gucci, and I let Kendrick hear it. I was thinking, if Dot gets on this, it'll be his first time being heard on something like this. That is kind of what I thought when I first heard it. Yeah. I think uh, it's it's different for Kendrick because the beat is it's catchy mm-hmm. and simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, not saying like anybody could have made that, but for Kendrick Lamar to be on that kind of beat, it's it's a it's a little bit different for him because a lot of his beats are um are a little more complex. Yeah, they're, they're kind of just say, yeah, okay. intricate. They're a little busy. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Not that anything's wrong with that, mm-hmm. but something a little more stripped down that he can just mm-hmm. um they can just go hard on. So it's it's um it it, it just makes for for an interesting song coming from him because, you know, it, it you know, you don't hear that a lot from him. No, yeah. <laughs> um and the song almost did not appear on Kendrick's album. Um, it was going to be on Mike Will made it's uh, ransom Two album, uh, which is out now, which is his songs that he has produced that has artists on it, of course. So it was going to be on his project. Um, and then Kendrick Lamar decided to uh, put it on his album. He's glad he did. Yeah. Um, so, that is the story of how that goes. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, Humble Remix featuring Gucci. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I, I, and maybe we're just we're just speaking into it existence. Oh, maybe it, it has hasn't been, been thought written, of yet. It has been written. Yeah, it, it has to be done. It's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got going on here. Well, Ben, you have a little more insight on this, but uh, there's some news with Dr. Luke. Yes, Dr. Luke is no longer the CEO of Kimasabi Records, um, which is his Sony imprint amid the uh, the Kesha war, as they're calling it, sort of. But really just, I mean, these are the, this is the allegations that she's made against him of sexual assault. And so he no longer has the authority to act on their behalf. Um, Kimosabi Records being his imprint. An imprint is basically um, like if you're familiar with like um, with Maverick. Maverick Records is probably one of the bigger ones. That was That's Madonna's, Madonna's right? imprint. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of the one that uh, Missy had. Basically, like when an artist will get big enough, 
a record company. Was hers Black Ground or is that somebody else? I can't remember. That might be it. What would it be like um, Aftermath? Aftermath. Yeah, that's... Um, and Shady. Mm-hmm. Under that. Um, Cash Money. Kind, Cash. Of, kind of an imprint under... Well, really more so. They were being um, shopped by Universal, but um, LaFace was one of them. Was an imprint. Yeah. Under um, Arista. Was Bad Boy one? Bad Boy is more independent. So Bad okay. Boy existed before, and that's why I had to change with Cash Money because Cash Money was independent, so it was no limit. But um, Fueled by Ramen was the one okay. from yeah. who was that? Panic was that Fallout Boy? I think because they signed. Um, I can't. I'd have to look it up. Now I'm going the to only, the, the only people I know who are with Fueled by Ramen are Fun and Paramore. Yeah, maybe Panic at the Disco. Yeah, I think I'm Panic at the sure. Disco. So it might be Fallout Boy. But in any case, that's what an imprint is. If an artist gets big enough, the record company. We'll make a, a quasi-label for them to sign people. Um, other producers that have had this, though, like I said, Missy, Timbaland being one of them, although they're kind of artists, too. And so that's what this is. And um, it just so happens that Kesha is signed to Kimosabi. Um, she is one of their artists. And, um, yeah, Sony Music is just like, nope, can't do it. Because um, what he used to work with, what, Kelly Clarkson, Avril Lavigne, Miley Cyrus, um, were not on Kimosabi records, but were with Sony. Um, founded in 2011, produced Since You've Been Gone, I Kissed a Girl. Um, but then in 2014, you know, when she accused him of sexual assault, assault, um, that's when this kind of all hit the fan, so to speak. And now, three years later, Sony's like, yeah, no thanks. So what do you think is going to, do you, I mean, do you think there's another court battle coming as far as he wants control back? Uh, do you think this helps Kesha at all? I don't know, because, I mean, as far as a court battle, it would really depend on the agreement between Sony and Dr. Luke. Like, if, you know, if there's legal precedence, I'm not really sure if there is legal precedence, or just in their, you know, in their contract, they're just like, we can just take this back in any time that we want, and, you know, it's not yours, so to speak, because he's, you know, he wasn't the owner of it, he was just the, the CEO of it, basically, he just made, you know, a lot of decisions. Um... I'm not, I, I don't, I haven't really been keeping up on the case, so I don't know if it really helps, but I mean, like, attorneys for Dr. Luke, Sony, and Kesha's reps weren't available for comment. Whether they were unavailable, I just didn't want to comment. Uh, two different things, but, um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it really helps, helps or hurts her case, really. I'd have to really kind of do some research to see where it is. All right. Um, like I said, like there was, there were, we wanted to do a future episode to kind of, yeah, because there's a lot there. Kind of break that down. Yeah. Um, and just because, you know, there, we all know somebody who's trying to get a record contract. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are some questionable things that may happen. So this could serve, it could serve as a, uh, a lesson or just some, something for somebody to reference mm -hmm. in the future. Um, so, uh, definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, what else we got here? Okay. So, uh, music biopics, I'm, I'm always interested <laughs> in because it's like, if they're going to be made, mm -hmm. you know, then, you know, the, it's, it's interesting, but sometimes they, the projects can just be in development for years and years and years. Like what two examples that I've heard for at least 10 years. There's supposed to be a movie about Marvin Gaye Ooh, starring okay. Jesse L. Martin. Are they going to call it Trouble Man? 
No, he just did the score for that film. I don't think it would have been called Trouble Man. I just you know, it's curious, but yeah, I thought that'd be interesting. Um, so I was uh, I heard about that one for at least ten years, maybe fifteen years. Uh, that has not happened, and I heard about um, a movie about Teddy Pendergrass, That's starring interesting, <laughs> starring Tyrese. Oh, and like. Tyrese actually like met with Teddy Pendergrass, like, mm-hmm. oh, you, you know, about talking about the a possibility of a movie, mm-hmm. and then Teddy Pendergrass died. But that's you know, it it still hasn't happened. Mm. Okay. So I mean, those are those are just two examples. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes you hear like you know you wonder if a movie's going to be made, and then sometimes there's a TV movie that's just rushed. You know, like the one about Whitney, mm-hmm. and the one about Aaliyah. I would uh, also maybe say the one about Britney Spears. Where they all made by Lifetime. Any, where they couldn't get, oh, and I think in all three of these, they couldn't get the rights to use the music either. But they were like, screw no. it. <laughs> we're still going to no. do it. <laughs> like, they're just trying to prove that they can. It was in the in the Whitney movie, they got the rights to use Bobby Brown music because they showed, like, when she first saw Bobby perform, he was mm-hmm. performing um, every little step. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they got the rights like, to use that one. He needed the money, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we got something in common. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that in there too? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see the whole. I didn't see the movie at all. Sorry. <laughs> just the uh, but in this case, uh, the biopic that's that's been planned to be produced is blonde ambition and of course that means banana mm-hmm. um and uh she's actually come out against this project really she says nobody knows what i know and what i have seen only i can tell my story anyone else who tries is a charlatan and a fool looking for instant gratification without doing the work this is a disease in our society whoa would she not work with them or something well, <laughs> to tell the story, good lord. Well, no. I mean, as far as as far as this goes, she hasn't like approved it. That's crazy. I mean, I imagine, duh, no one knows what you know. I imagine they would go to you and be like, "Hey, so we want to write a script. Can you help us?" Like, <laughs> damn, no, that's I mean, such a that's such. If they if they couldn't go to her, they went to the ones you know. I'm sure there are a few unauthorized biographies mm-hmm. about her. Um, and when you write these pigs, these, these biopics, write these scripts, people are doing research on their own. They're yeah. not going to get to talk to Madonna. I mean, that does, that's not how it always happens. Um, but if they could, so yeah. Uh, and it says, uh, the script penned by Elise Hollander. I'm not sure that is, but it focuses on Madonna's life in the early eighties as she works on her debut album while trying to break into a music industry. Madonna herself has called misogynistic. Hmm, so okay. it's it's the early years, yeah. Um, and it will uh, kind of uh, how she came to be during the eighties. I wonder if uh, well, I mean, if she's working on that first album, then Nile Rodgers should they should have someone playing him. Nile Rodgers, there's going to be a Stephen yeah. Bray. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like, from the Breakfast Club, <laughs> <laughs> the love triangle of the Breakfast Club. Yeah, that makes more sense if they're going to focus on the eighties. And yeah, then you'll you'll get your wish. All of that will be in yeah. there. <laughs> That should all be there. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the producers is going to be uh, 
was planned to be Brett Ratner. The Brett Ratner. Who directed her Beautiful Stranger video. Oh, I didn't know you did that. Okay. Um, but he also directed Glitter. So I don't know <laughs> how much uh, input he's actually going to have. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he did direct Rush Hour, but he directed Glitter, guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, it is the second straight music-related script to win the Blacklist, which in Hollywood is an annual breakdown of the best unproduced screenplays. <laughs> and the winner moves into the development phase. Uh, previous... Um, the last year's winner, I guess, was Bubbles, which is a script about Michael Jackson's pet chimp, which is going to be a stop motion film, apparently. So the blacklist thing, when you mentioned that, I thought that was just like a, a figurative thing. Like there's actually a contest. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like Project Greenlight almost. Sounds kind like of. It. I mean, I don't know if they like how official this is, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of um, there's a, a lot of unproduced, great unproduced screenplays out there mm-hmm. and really when they don't get produced, it's just a matter of, you know, can, is this going to be a box office hit? Can we get the funding? Can Mm -hmm. we get the right actors Mm or the schedules lining up? Um, among other things. Uh, so, um, you know, there, this may be the best, uh, best Madonna related script, but it's probably not the only one. No, I can't imagine. (laughs) So, um, a uh, previous blacklist scripts that turned into best picture winning or nominated films include Spotlight, okay, The Revenant, Argo, and American Hustle. I need to see Argo. I don't know if I want to see American Hustle. I don't know. I've seen both of those. Um, Which would you suggest? American Hustle is is funnier than mm-hmm. I thought it would be. Okay, <laughs> it turned out to be pretty funny. Uh, Argo was like. They made it more, um, they tried to like raise the stakes and make it more dramatic (laughs) than it actually was. Um, and then a lot of people didn't like that Ben Affleck was playing, um, um, uh, a Latino man. Oh, was he? Yeah. That's why he looked a little tan. That makes sense. Then I was wondering, he looked a little, hmm, okay. But whatever. So, um, but don't know why I picked that will be interesting. I can't Um, wait. Yeah. So back in 1999, man, that was a long time ago. Um, back in 1999. Holy crap it was. Okay. Sorry. Cause I know what you're going. I just had to think <laughs> about that. Wow. There was a uh, particular song about a particular article of clothing called the thong song. And Cisco, um, tells a story about this song to billboard uh, interesting. He wrote the song and he was 19 years old at the time. That's crazy to think about that too, how young he was. And, uh, he had actually never seen a thong before. He didn't know what one was. So how the hell did he write? <laughs> <laughs> he says, I had never seen one before. Apparently none of my friends had either because before 1999, there wasn't a whole lot of thongs being worn unless it was in some sort of swimsuit ad. I just remember first seeing one and it was like, <laughs> you ever see the 10 commandments when Moses went up and his hair was black and then he came back down and his hair was all silver. <laughs> that was literally the joke I was making with my silver hair. The thong was stone tableted in my mind. Oh my God. Um, the beat for the thong song was the last of 22 tracks he received from Tim and Bob. 
um, known also famously for working with on Boys to Men's two album. Okay. Uh, it, it initially sampled the Beatles' Eleanor Rigby. I hear I can hear that too. Okay. But to prevent paying Michael Jackson, who uh-huh. had the rights at the time, they rewrote the string section and hired violinists and cellists to play over the beat. So, um, and it was actually played live. Like they had actual, yeah. you know, string players. And he says, I wrote it enough that it's nowhere near Eleanor Rigby. If you try to play thong song and Eleanor Rigby together, you can't even hear the similarities. Trust me. If there was a similarity, Michael Jackson would have been doing the remix. <laughs> to the thong song. Um, so, uh, I wonder if that original yeah. beat's still out there. I'd like to hear that. And um, he began writing the, he envisioned himself in the club, seeing a woman with her specific choice of underwear peeking through her dress. I was basically thinking to myself, what do I feel when I hear this track? If I was in the club and this track was playing, what is it that I could possibly be looking for? It was almost as if the track itself took on the appearance of whoever, who, of whomever this scantily clad woman was with this scandalous dress. This is so funny. He's just going this deep uh, <laughs> into the song. Uh, and uh, specific lines bring up certain memories for the formerly platinum haired singer for not just Irvin. She liked the pop because she was living La Vida Loca. Didn't even know that was the line other than living La Vida Loca. Yeah. Um, the dumps like a truck lyric was also slang for a woman's shapely backside for those still wondering. Oh, I thought that was, yeah, I thought I it was like more to that. Like, yeah. I figured that on. was known. Don't, like, do they think it was a poop joke or something? I, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyone that was trying to make a joke, the context of the lyric does not say anything to the effect of she took a dump like a truck or nothing like yeah. that. Now that is, that, that now, would to be gross me, if he said, yeah. to me, that is, uh, possibly the the white nonsense that he may have thought earlier. <laughs> um, and he says she had dumps like a truck, so that joke is old. Nobody can use it no more. You sound stupid. Stop it. Uh, so yeah, you can go to bill, uh, Billboard and search Cisco Thong Zong and um. And, uh, so it looks like there's yeah. more stuff here too because it's, it's, it's chorus week um, I'm going to read these later um, Carly Rae Jepsen on Call Me Maybe O-Town on All or Nothing Alicia Keys on Empire State of Mind so just some more reading as far as them probably explaining although I don't know what O-Town is going to say because I'm sure they didn't write that song <laughs> same thing with Carly Rae Jepsen I know she didn't write that song so what does um, the lead singer of Mariana's Trench have to say about it is what they should be saying but yeah mm. um and he well he also writes uh, he also talks about why the second verse is the same as yeah. the first. Uh, he says uh, words just wouldn't come for a second verse because you pretty much ruined the song if you start to say what happened after she blew your mind with this song. It's probably going to be like <laughs> walking down the aisle now we're getting married. <laughs> okay. Oh God! And then he decided to use the modulation to make the rest of the song feel like a different verse. Modulation meaning the key change. Yeah. Um, he said this is pretty much like my thriller. It's like a moment in time. I don't know if this is your thriller, man, but you know, uh, okay. it's famous enough, I guess. <laughs> so if he was eighteen when he wrote this, how old was he in Drew Hill? 
Was he like 16? 16, 17. Like they were kids. Man. It kind of makes sense now. I mean, you know, that dance they did in that video. (laughs) Something that a 16-year-old would do. That's crazy. I didn't know he was that young when he did it, but, yeah. Um, That's crazy. I'm glad to see he's back in the news. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um. well, Ben, you had you had this pulled up about uh, Beyonce having the best-selling album of 2016, according to somebody. Yeah, globally. So according to the IFPI, um, which let me see if I can find what the what that means. It's international something, International Federation of the Phonographic um, Industry. They started tracking back in 1997, um, like worldwide record sales basically so they found that last year 2016 beyonce's lemonade was the highest selling record of the year uh the biggest single was uh drake i believe it one dance i'm gonna just assume it. i'm not even gonna look yeah. just gonna assume it's one dance um if it wasn't one dance then i don't know anything um and then also just talked about how music sales were up 15.9 percent overall for the year, um, which we've seen, they said they've seen a steady increase for the past few years. This is the biggest increase, but they've seen a steady increase for the past few years, which is, I think, good. It means people are buying music again. Um, and then it said that, um, and I thought this was interesting and very timely since, um, you know, the anniversary of his death. Um, Prince was the best selling artist in the U.S. last year with 2.3 million out records combined, um, which, you know, goes to show his influence i would say like as soon as he died people are reminded you know like oh prince (laughs) and i would also probably say more than likely because you couldn't stream his stuff anywhere except for title yeah who wants to get title (laughs) so you had to go like you either go get title or you go buy the record so that probably helped him a little bit too but that makes me very happy all right um and one more last thing before um we get into um, Ben's earworm of the week. Um, rest in peace to Cuba Gooding Sr., uh, lead singer of The Main Ingredient, best known for the song Everybody Plays the Fool. And there's another song called What You See Is What You Get. Um, Everybody Plays the Fool. If you haven't heard The Main Ingredient version, you probably heard the Aaron Neville version or the Neville Brothers. Yeah. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we're talking about the father of Cuba Gooding Jr. and Omar Gooding. Mm-hmm. Um, passed away last week. Um, and also, uh, I like I like looking at touring news because um, I've always wondered if I'm going to go to a certain <laughs> show or not. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire and Chic oh, nice. are okay. planning a U.S. tour. And also, uh, I got an email today that Kendrick Lamar will be at the Infinite Energy Arena in Duluth in July with Travis Scott and I found out how to say it how to say it drum it's drum it's okay. drum yes I found right. out today I asked a younger person <laughs> and they said because I said dram and he looked at me he's like it's drum it's like thank you <laughs> works for me mm-hmm. um, so yeah and uh, there's another I think there's another tour uh, going on. Um, I don't know, but yeah, throughout the summer, this is, it's that time, yeah. you know, music festivals and the people going on tour. So, well, of course, I mean, don't forget about Everclear and their stop in Carrollton. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be huge. 
I think it's at the end of the summer, so like in August. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think I have it marked on my calendar somewhere. I thought I missed it. <laughs> no. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Ben, what is your earworm of the week? Take it back. Going with uh, Tina Turner. We don't need another hero. We really don't need another hero. Didn't this win, like, this won a Grammy, didn't it, or something? I think it won a Grammy. Well, I'll let you know when we come back after playing the song. Um, but yeah, this is from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And uh, we will be right back. Thunderdome. <laughs> That's how it is. <laughs> That's how it's credited. Uh, by Tina Turner. Uh, from, of course, the film Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, the original motion picture soundtrack. Uh, also, it is on the um, 30th anniversary release of Private Dancer. Um. Nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Original Song and a Grammy nomination for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. And I was looking at like where Charlie, like, this is the number one hit, wasn't it? It was not. It peaked at number two behind St. Elmo's Fire, parenthesis, Man in, in Motion, Emotion by John Parr. They love the parentheses back then. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't call, like, you wanted people to, like, buy the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, if it was on a soundtrack, it had to be something like, oh, it's in that movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you had songs that were like, it's called this, but it's like, you know, the love theme from the parenthesis, mm-hmm. the love theme from this movie. Um, or they just like, yeah, we're just going to put the title, title. of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know it's called Man in Motion, but we're just going to call it St. Elmo's Fire. Okay? And nowadays it would just be like St. Elmo's Fire hashtag Man in Motion. <laughs> That's what I think it would be. <laughs> 
I think the song really had nothing to do with the movie. Oh, probably. I don't think so. I think no. he wrote the song about like a friend who was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. It had. I don't think it had anything to do with the movie. That's I've never was... seen Seen Almost Fire, but it was about like like some teenagers, right? Like Co- college, college graduates. Kids. Yeah. So it was kind of like their reality bites. Yeah. yeah. Our reality bites was that. So yeah. 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 That I mean, it was it was written about song. Uh, it, the song was written about one of the guy's friends in a wheelchair. That's why you hear. I'm a man in motion. Only needs a pair of wheels. Yep. Anyway, enough cheese there. Um, hey, that's a good song. <laughs> we don't have um, an indie Instagrammer of the week. Uh, I'm choosing not to do one because. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Yeah, that's cool. And we'll have another. I like a way I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, it's a little production on the podcast. So. Um, <laughs> We've been getting um, a few more likes on our posts, so I'm just going to put all of them into like a hat or a bowl or something. Mm-hmm. We'll pick one, okay, um, as we record, and then we'll just go from there. I think that's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> and then as we, we'll we may we may add one or two the next time. So people who have listened to our podcast and and have liked our posts, you know, more people will get an opportunity because. You know, it'll be one and then we'll make a uh, put up a couple of posts and then there'll be some more. And then I, you know, there are two or three posts to choose from Mm -hmm. and maybe five to ten people who liked our posts Mm -hmm. that, you know, may qualify for it. So um, we'll get back to that on the next episode. So we started this particular episode with um, uh, a snippet from or an excerpt from the NFL Network describing Prince's halftime Super Bowl halftime performance, Super Bowl forty one in Miami, where it rained, and to me, it's like it's one of the greatest Super Bowl halftime performances I have seen. Um, I'd almost say one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Period. <laughs> like it's yeah, up there. Um, like it's, it's a good performance. You know, uh, just in terms of like the Super Bowl halftime was always something that intrigued me. Mm-hmm. You know, when they started getting, you know, who's a, a big star that, you know, people will know around the world. Mm-hmm. And I guess in some parts won't be that offensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and when he performed, it was kind of like there was a string of years where they went, the NFL, if they're making these picks, they went with the safest the safest, like most non-offensive they, they could after the Janet Jackson yeah. incident. Was it like um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, the Rolling Stones, the Who, and the Who, and Bruce Springsteen? I think Paul McCartney did it. Paul McCartney, yeah, Bruce Springsteen. It was, the yeah, one it thing was that so the boring. one that insulted me the most was okay. How are you going to have the Super Bowl in Detroit? And there's no reference to Motown. None. Who at all. who was who performed the, the year in Detroit? That was the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> But can't even get a kid a rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they weren't getting Eminem. Um, so uh, this is an installment of Because Five, our top five Prince songs today. Maybe uh, the hardest we've done. <laughs> this is a very difficult list. Um, I think people already knew that off top. Like, this is a very difficult list. And mm-hmm. if we did this tomorrow, 
it could be five totally different songs. Yep. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get right into it. And uh, by the time you hear this podcast, there will be a playlist of the Prince songs that we selected. So Ben, uh, give me like two seconds here. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, with these lists, all right. we do five and why? Because five. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're not like, yeah, we do. We, you know, people who've listened to other, other installments of it. We had our album mentions, but it was just two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then we kept it moving. We yeah. picked five because five, yeah. the, the, the question asked for five. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like he, he has to, they, you have to keep that in mind, you know, and this came from, of course, when we, um, uh, you know, hearing like with the beating sports or, or seeing, um, or, uh, seeing other lists, you know, you ask someone, so what's your favorite, this thing? Mm-hmm. And they name like three things. Like I asked for one. <laughs> And I got this from Michael Smith and Jamel Hill when they named their top five uh, favorite comedies. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we just named it five. Why? Because five. five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's like we're doing a starting lineup mm-hmm. in basketball. Which is my favorite sport. So I love that analogy, actually. <laughs> you can only play five players on your team at mm-hmm. a time at most. So you get five. All right. So we're going to do our honorable mentions. So, Ben, what's your first honorable mention? Going to go back to um, self-titled, Why You Gonna Treat Me So Bad by Prince. Well, I mean, they're all by Prince. They're so. all by Prince. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, um, because there'll be a couple of surprises. Yeah. These are songs at least written by Prince. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily performed by him, but he did write it. Mm-hmm. So, Why You Wanna Treat Me So Bad? We'll so. play a little bit of that. And just to add context, I love the I love the sound of this entire album. It's so funky, um, and of course he's playing everything. Um, I just I don't know. Like I, I I mean that's really just what I like the most about the songs on this album. Um, how funky they sound! It's that electro funk that Bruno Mars is trying to recreate right now. Um, and then he sings for the most part. He sings the entire album falsetto mm-hmm. <laughs> in true Prince style. Um, it's just really good. I don't know. Like I just, I just love this. So I mean, honestly, it, it's kind of hard to choose because this honestly could have just like you said, this list could be different. This easily <laughs> could have been. Um, I feel for you, his version from this album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I love that synth opening. I love the tone. Yeah, it's just a great song. All right. So why you want to treat me so bad from his self-titled album, which was actually his second album. Um. Now, mine, it's a little bit different. Like, I like this song because it's so weird that it's great. (laughs) I'm, of course, talking about Bat Dance from the Batman album, simply called Batman. It Mm -hmm. it wouldn't say uh, motion, original motion picture soundtrack. It's called Batman, where Prince did all the songs. Um, Using samples from the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it was like three different songs into one. Yeah, there's a uh, lot going on here. <laughs> you know, it's it's like a a, a symphony. Yeah. Uh, with at least three movements. Um, and 
uses them. <laughs> it's like it's just it's it's really like fun and it was uh this was actually a number one song on the hot one hundred. Was it really? Yeah. That's crazy. Now I was wondering <laughs> like, when we were putting this, I was like, I wonder if either one of us is gonna choose Bat Dance. <laughs> And he used elements of like, um, it's techno, mm-hmm. it's new wave, um, it's funk. Like he just, you may hear every single genre mm-hmm. in this song. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you, I, I think a lot, of, not a lot of people know about this song. We're probably a generation past people who've even seen Tim Burton's Batman. Which, if you haven't, go back and see it because it's just—it's—I can't describe it. It's unlike it's—it's it's not like the um, the Joel Schumacher ones. It's not like the um, Chris, Chris Nolan, Nolan ones. It's no. just different in its own sense. Yeah, it's just yeah. So yeah, that's Bat sad dance. to think about though. We are past generation of people who have seen that. Other than like hardcore Batman fans. Yeah. Other people are like, oh, I've never seen it. Michael Keaton, like, <laughs> who's Batman? that? Yeah, he or played Birdman. Man, yeah, no, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about Batman. All right, all right. So, uh, what's your other honorable mention? Um, this was difficult to leave out of the out of the top five, but um, Little Red Corvette. Um, love the guitar solo, which is going to be a theme of mine with uh, with Prince songs. Um, he's such an he's an incredible guitar player. Um, incredible musician, really but just like a really good guitar player. And this has a really good guitar solo in it. Reminds me of, um, they, uh, on ESPN, they would like interview their anchors or their personalities and it'll be a video on YouTube mm-hmm. and they interview Bomani Jones. Yeah. And they're like, if you had a, if you could put together your all-star band, who, who would you have? And he's like, all right, on guitar, uh, Prince, um, on the bass, Prince, uh, on the drums, Prince, on keyboards, Prince, and my lead singer would be Van Morrison. <laughs> I forgot he does love Van Morrison. So yeah, that'd be a very interesting band too to hear. As a matter of fact, I would like to hear Van Morrison sing some Prince songs. That could be very interesting. So, uh, Little Red Corvette, this was from... Yeah, what album was this from? Is this, this is from 1999. Yeah. I'm not, so, when I was a kid, um, I ended up buying this CD single. Um, it was like a maxi single. It had 1999 and Little Red Corvette as the B-side. And until I bought this, I thought he was saying Living Correct. Like, Living Correct. I thought he was saying that for the longest. And then I was like... Little Red Corvette, like <laughs> living correct. Yeah, so couldn't understand it on Star ninety four. Oh <laughs> Friday night eighties, man. That's why I used to hear it. Friday night eighties. So uh, Little Red Corvette is been second album mentioned. My second album mention is from uh, Parade, which serves as the soundtrack for Under the Cherry Moon, a movie I've never seen. Me either. And which. I may not ever need to see, but maybe, uh, well, I'm not a good Prince fan, so fight me on that. <laughs> so, uh, this is Kiss. Um, um, this song, according to the documentary I just watched, mm-hmm. which aired on Reels, this song was not 
well the record company didn't think the song was finished <laughs> that's, and that's they felt some too. more production needed to be done and Prince insisted on releasing the single as it was and what happened number one straight to number one <laughs> uh, This another story about this song um, I used to work for a, a call center mm-hmm. and uh, well y'all might know what it, what it was. I was it was for an Apple vendor okay <laughs> so uh, working on Apple products uh, doing troubleshooting tech support that kind of thing but anytime we had to transfer a customer to the iTunes department, mm-hmm. uh, there was some hold music, and this was one of the songs. Oh, wow. Uh, there was a time where I knew all the songs. I think I have a, the playlist on Spotify. <laughs> I knew what all the songs were in order. Oh, God. <laughs> because that's how long we would be able to hold <laughs> waiting for someone from the iTunes store. Oh, God. That'd be painful. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and I also have a Prince covers list. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this song was famously covered by Tom Jones. Really? Now, that's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking this weekend as I was listening to him cover Burning Down the House. I love his voice. I don't know why I like his voice. Like, it's such an interesting voice. But, yeah, that's... I want to. I got to check that out later. So yeah, that is uh, my second album mention. So like, I know people who are listening right now. Like, what about this song? What about th-? this? Is our list? Yes. Okay, you may have your own today. And like this- I said, it, it's our list today. It can change tomorrow. <laughs> it might change tomorrow for you. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also yeah. songs I'm leaving. Well, I mean, there's a couple I left out because they're not on Spotify, so we can't add them. Um, and after we get done, I'll, I'll name those just because I feel they're worth mentioning. But right now we're on the list. We're All the right. List. So um, what is number five for you? <sighs> Tough. We're in, we're, in the, to we're in the top five. Update our list. Um, number five, Let's Go Crazy. Mm-hmm. The um, the opening mainly, and I guess it's not on Spotify, but the opening from Purple Rain being my favorite version of it. Where, you know, he goes and he kind of plays the random notes on the, on the piano and um, plays the part where, you know, they have the um, the run, the like that whole, like watching that for the first time. I think I saw it on VH1 in high school. Like seeing that, that's like, wow. You know, this skinny, light-skinned dude with a perm playing a Telecaster, a Telecaster being a top of guitar. Um... And then he rips the solo. Like, he kills it. Um, the first solo is good. And then the second solo, um, the unaccompanied solo, if you will, at the end of it, is just... Like, it's just... It's beautiful. Like you can, And you can hear in that solo where he inspired people like Slash. Where he inspired these other rock guitars. It's, like, full of wah. It's, um... I, I mean, it's just... it's nasty it's dirty it's good it's a good and then you know this like this really nice guitar riff i don't know man just everything about this song and what it was and then the performance part to go with it it was just awesome yeah it's, it's really good um yeah i like this song as well despite <laughs> never having seen purple rain either i've only seen this part of purple rain <laughs> this, um, that's it so um but yeah, it's a yeah, it's just a good song, and it's high, it's high energy. Yeah. Um, if, I don't know if you've checked it out, but Incubus did a pretty good cover of it, where they kind of really, they yeah, almost covered my, it note uh, for note. 
I tell my Prince covers. Okay. Least. Yeah, they covered it note for note and did a, a very good job at it. Um, but yeah, this just this is a fun song. Yeah. Uh, this was one of the songs. I think there was a movie about. I think it was one of those VH1 TV movies about. Um, it might have been about Twisted Sister, mm-hmm. but they were one of those bands <laughs> where uh, parents were worried about the lyrics influencing the children. Yeah. And there was a scene where, um, like, Tipper Gore bought Purple Rain for yeah. her daughter. And uh, there was a scene where, like, everyone's dancing to Let's Go Crazy. Yeah. And then the next song is Darling Nikki. I don't know. <laughs> was that the next song on the on the album? No, it wasn't. No. But by the time they got to Darling Nikki, <laughs> she was so offended. So, um, yeah, let's go crazy. Kind of, I uh, may, maybe that tricked her into yeah. buying the album. And Didn't then Darling Nikki. Speak, speak up on their behalf yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. So Darling Nikki was actually one of those songs that led to the parental advisory sticker. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Tipper Gore was tricked because of what let's go crazy was, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, my number five. My number five was a, um, I guess it was a B side. Mm-hmm. I'll find out what the what is a B side too, but it's uh, seventeen days. Let's see. I'll look it up too. Um, I like the song because uh, there was more bass in it than anything that was on Purple Rain it seems like (laughs) Um, and it's one of those songs to where like it's probably a song that not a lot of people are familiar with Mm -hmm. because you you know you know the singles you're not really paying attention to anything on the um, the B sides on the on the B sides like with the singles the B side would be a song that's not on the album. Sometimes, a lot of times it is, but sometimes it might not be. Yeah. This was uh, Dove's Cry. It was the single to win the uh, okay, B side. To, to win Dove's Cry. Cry. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it's actually, the actual title is 17 Days, parenthesis. <laughs> the rain will come down, then you will have to choose if you believe. Oh, wow. Go to the dawn and you shall never lose. I don't, yeah, because I'm not familiar with this one, dude. I thought I was. Uh, this was a demo song for Vanity Six. I would have liked to have heard them, heard them cover that. Uh, she left the group in 1983. He kept the song for himself, and then he was. And then he chose to keep it for himself rather than give it to Apollonia Six, mm-hmm. which was the when he when Apollonia came along. Yeah. Um. Okay, and I'm digging this. Uh, the song has been covered by Living Color. Oh, I bet it's I bet it's like really aggressive. <laughs> I don't know why I think it is. And um, it actually was a number one single. Well, because it was the B side to When Doves Cry, so technically it is a number one song okay. on the Hot Dance Club Play charts in 1984. But it's a um, if you have the single to When Doves Cry, but it's also on many of the uh, compilation albums. So, yeah. 17 Days. Okay. All right, Ben. So, what is your number four? Going off beat here. Um, the Sinead O'Connor version of Nothing Compares to You. Hmm. Um, which is 
and I don't want to say because of the video, but it's almost a haunting song if you think about it. Like, like that that first verse, like I can eat my dinner in a fancy restaurant. Like it's just you just imagine someone who's just broken up with somebody, and they're trying to convince themselves like I can do whatever I want. It's cool. Everything's good, but like they're utterly alone. <laughs> it's just like. I can eat my dinner in a fancy restaurant. Like, I can do whatever I want. Like, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but still, all in all, nothing compares to this person that you lost. <laughs> and, like, ultimately, it's like, it's a song of independence, but at what costs? Like, it's just, it's a haunting song, if you really think about it. I don't know how much people really think about it. Um, I think her version comes off as more haunting. Yeah, his version and is a little more upbeat, not like upbeat, upbeat. I mean, but it's a, it's like a ballad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is, it is a ballad, but it's, uh, it's a different, it's a different vibe, really. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it was to a point to where not a lot of people knew he that he wrote this song. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just, it's just the way she sings it. Then you have the video with just her head. And nothing else. So much emotion. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a haunting song, and I love it. I love it to death. As someone described, print for the hell out of it. She sang the hell out of it. Like it was. Yeah, kind of sad that this was really her only big hit. Yeah, but that's what happens when you interpret picture of the Pope on SNL. So, <laughs> um, this version was produced by Sinead O'Connor and Nellie Hooper. Okay. Um. And as far as she did, like, this was her relationship with Prince. This is how she summed it up. I did meet with him a couple of times. We didn't get on at all. <laughs> In fact, we had a punch up. She continued. He summoned me to his house after another comparison to you. I made it without him. I'd never met him. He summoned me to his house. And it's foolish to do this to an Irish woman. He said he didn't like me saying bad words in interviews. So I told him to fuck off. Yeah, I forgot. He doesn't like it when people curse. He, yeah. If you performed at Paisley Park and you cursed, you got fined. Yeah. <laughs> so said he got quite violent and I had to escape out of his house at five in the morning. He packed a bigger punch than mine. God. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, those crazy Irish women. <laughs> but, yeah, this is, yeah, it's, it's just a beautiful song. And it's a haunting song. Um, a lot, and there was some criticism with this version, mm -hmm. as far as after the uh, um, after Prince passed at the 2016 Billboard Music Awards, there was there had to be a Prince tribute, and it was, it was rushed. Mm -hmm. And then Madonna performed "Nothing Compares to You," but it was more of this version rather than his yes. version, and there was some criticism for that. Um, mm, I mean, but yeah. And it was also, uh, and then later that year at the BET Awards, Maxwell performed the song. I would like to hear that. I did during, hear that. Uh, as part of a Prince tribute. So, yeah. Um, we're on number four, right? Yes. yes. Okay. My number four. Uh, well, it's a song that he wrote for another artist. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a simple phone number. And no, it's not um, 8675309. It's the, it's the, the phone number that probably every black person, you know, should know, uh, it's, uh, seven, 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 93, 11. Uh, this song is eight minutes long. 
Really? Yeah. The well, the full version. Okay. Uh, Prince says this is the his the favorite his most favorite bass line he's ever written. Okay. He would know because he's probably written a lot of them. <laughs> What, I don't know, what album is this from? This is from the Times album, What Time Is It? Okay. <laughs> okay, now I recognize. I was trying to think for a second. I was like, I don't recognize this, but now I do. This is um, 1982. Man, I forgot he did stuff for this. <laughs> That is a nice bass line. Okay. Okay, okay. Did he sing back up on this too? Uh, yes. Okay, I was like, I, I hear him in there. He did sing back up. Uh, he, play, he, he played all the instruments. <laughs> oh, so this is interesting. That's Dickerson. This was his telephone number at the time. His guitar player. Yes. Huh. <laughs> That's funny. And until he changed the number, yeah, it, it rang off the hook, he says. Um, That's funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, seven 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 ninety three eleven. by the time. Prince wrote all their stuff. Yeah. Um, he produced it as the star company. It wasn't just under his name, but so, uh, that is my number four. So Ben, what is number three? Number three is a song that takes me back. It is raspberry beret. Um, I have a thing for songs that tell a story and I, I, this is just an interesting story. I mean, I, I don't know if this, if it's completely biographical autobiographical but I mean it sounds like basically Prince losing it to a big girl like that's what it seems <laughs> like like it's like and so that's why I like it like it's, it's it's just a straight description of him from him meeting her where he worked to them hooking up in a barn during a storm <laughs> the lightning drives out the um lightning drives out with the I can't forget the line now I have to get to it but yeah so it's just a straight yeah, I love the arrangement. Um, I, I, it's, it's really hard to describe. So, like, I love like the um, the string arrangement. Then, what sounds like it might be like an auto harp or a mellotron. This sounds like the or harpsichord type sounding instrument in there. Um, let's see if there's some instrument credits on here. Uh, there's a yeah. violin, mm-hmm. uh, cello. Um, Uh, Middle Eastern finger symbols. Yeah, so there's um, a, an extended version of it that has yeah. those in there. Yeah, okay. and uh, I can't spell. <laughs> I think it's certainly one of those songs that. Um... So yeah, built like she was. Yeah, that's the... <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was actually a song that was going to be in Purple Rain, but. Uh... With the scene, it was taken out. Well, it was in it, the song was inspired by a deleted scene in Purple Rain, mm-hmm. where the kid and the girl—I forget 
her. I think she played Apollonia, right? No. I, I think so. I think her, that's her character's name. I haven't seen Corporal Rain, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they had a love scene in a barn. Okay, that makes sense then, yeah. But yeah, he said built like she was. So that's what makes me think it was a bigger girl. Or it just might be like a really stacked girl, you know, who's got a nice body. But um, this is so this was another song that I mistook what he was saying when I was younger. I thought he was saying she wore rags, baby wore rags. I don't I don't know what I was hearing when I was young. Yeah. So uh, the horses okay. wonder who you are. <laughs> the drowns out with the lightning seas. There we go. Um, this sounds like a song that to where maybe he had been listening to some Beatles. Possibly, possibly. Well, I mean, the cover of the album "Around the World in, in, a, uh, in a Day" even looks like it. So, yeah. kind of like Sergeant Sergeant Pepper's inspired a little bit. So, yeah, I think he was a better writer than the Beatles. So, sue me, come fight me, as you just said. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's some. Uh, I guess it, it would say there's some psychedelia. Oh yeah, definitely psychedelic pop from the '60s and '70s that inspired a little bit. You definitely hear it in the in the extended version. Like he has all these different breakdowns and like a longer intro and um, yeah, it's very interesting what he did with it on the longer version. So this song peaked at number two, only behind "A View to a Kill" by Duran Duran. Mm. All right, so that was number three, right? That was number three. All right, I, you may disagree with this, but. Um, my number three, and I'm going to play this version. It's I Feel For You by Shaka Khan. <laughs> I respect your opinion, Jan. <laughs> um, for a long time, I didn't know that he wrote this song. No, I didn't either for a long time. Um, I did hear the original version. I do like the original version. But this is the version that uh, I grew up with and more familiar with. It's okay, Greg. I respect your opinion. <laughs> and he and he was okay with it, okay? No, I'm sure he, he was. You he, know, he approved it at least. I'm sure he, yeah, you know, he approved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but why did they throw in the shaka cons? Right, he probably. Why did you have to throw in the shaka cons? <laughs> um, by uh, Melly Mel. That was Melly Mel doing the oh, shotguns. Really? Okay. And he has a rap verse on there. And so this is one of the, the earliest rap sung collabos that Uh-oh. are so prominent today. Yeah, they're everywhere nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, the chord structure is a little different, but I mean, I don't know. I mean it's basically the same song. So Yeah. Um, and it was it was made to where like this was what, nineteen eighty four? Mm-hmm. And his version, it was from his uh, from his self-titled album. I think that's 1979. Mm-hmm. So taking it from disco to the more synth pop, or in this case, if you've seen the video, uh, it had the you can break dance to it. Yep. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was in breaking, but I think it was. I don't know. I don't know if it was. It was in. It was in one of those. One of those early hip hop movies: Breaking, Beat Street, uh, Crush Groove, <laughs> Wild <Really>? Style. <laughs> we got to do an episode about that because huh, so, those movies are so terrible. Stevie <laughs> Wonder played harmonica on this too. Oh yeah, uh, he played. Yeah, he played harmonica, and it, it, there's a sample of fingertips on this one. 
I never want to assume. Anytime I hear, I would hear like a soul song or a black song. I, I get to a point where I just assume, like if I heard a harmonica, oh, it was Stevie. Stevie. Wonder. Like yeah, I assumed I he played a, in uh, Confessions Part One. I just assumed that was Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Don't know if it was. I know there was um, uh, the song "Say Say Say" mm-hmm. Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Did he play it? That was just, that was Stevie Wonder. <laughs> God, you can just assume. <laughs> It's like yeah. going to be wrong one day. Oh, no, that was John Popper. Like, no <laughs> way, man. No way. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, I didn't know he was in. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't dislike this version. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like I went back and I heard the original and I was just like, wow. I really like. Yeah. So. All right. We're at number two. What you got? All right. Number two is from that album. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be your lover. Um, as soon as Prince was, um, it was announced that Prince was on Spotify. I immediately went to this song, found it and added it to a playlist. I effing love this song. Um, I don't know why I said effing shout out to Ashley <laughs> Peterson, probably because of her. Um, but like this song is so like, it's just, and I mean like on my computer, I have a longer version that they don't have on Spotify that has like some nice synth play at the beginning. And then of course this version um, it's a little bit longer than the one, the other one that I had on the end. There's a lot of synth the, um, at the end. Well, yeah, there's two different versions that you can find on Spotify. One is the single version, which is about three minutes. Mm-hmm. This, what I'm playing right now, is actually the album version, the yeah. which is nearly six minutes. Yeah, there's a lot going on at the end there. <laughs> uh, my favorite part is that, like, just that instrumental part at the yeah, end. Yeah, it's so smooth. Just like after the song, it just, yeah. But yeah, this song is so good. Like, it's just... This is actually the first song he performed. Uh, like, his first television appearance was okay. on American Bandstand. Yeah. Uh, which actually is a humiliating experience for him. Really? Uh, because the interview... If oh, because he wouldn't talk, right? He, was he using would not fingers. talk. Okay, I remember that, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I think, like, Dick Clark asked... Well, it was, he was asking the simple questions, like, so... Uh, how many instruments do you play? He was like <laughs> a thousand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, and and some of his friends asked him like, like, what, what was that? That's, that's not you up there. And he he vowed to never let, um, to never like freeze up on mm. national television again. So, uh, well, he, he was young though. So I mean, he was like. 21, 22 at the time. Still, still kind of young. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just, yeah, this, but. But the, think about that. He was 21. And he did this, yeah. And he was doing all of this. And this wasn't in the age of YouTube. Because I know, like, nowadays, I feel like nowadays you get somebody who's like, you know, oh, like Prince and, and David Bowie and those people, they played, like, a lot of instruments. And you're like, oh, well, so can I. Yeah, you can do it like in this age where it's like, you know, you can go on YouTube and, and get tutorials and like it's just easier to get your hands on these instruments. Back then, this was just like you just you really taught yourself. And like not only was he self-taught, he was proficient and self-taught. Yeah. So it's like I feel like it's different. Like nowadays, it's a little bit. And I'm like, I play I play what four instruments, four or five instruments, maybe even six or seven. But, like, that's today, you know? That's, like, I went to college for some of this stuff. <laughs> um, what Prince and, and like, and, I mean, just to kind of tie it back to, like, you know, when we lost Prince and David Bowie last year, both of those hurt because, like, 
they both inspired me to try to be a multi-instrumentalist like you know the fact that like you know David Bowie played all these instruments like one minute you see him playing a guitar the next minute he's up on stage with someone playing saxophone it's just like and then to hear about you know Prince playing all these different instruments Stevie Wonder like these guys inspired me to want to be able to learn all these different instruments this is the part that Greg's talking about this breakdown here is awesome Um, on this version this part is longer than the song song. (laughs) (laughs) so and I just love the synth but just like so like yeah when they both died I was just like man that sucks we lost these really great musicians because that's what they were you know Prince was a songwriter and a musician David Boy was a songwriter and a musician Stevie Wonder's a songwriter and musician like and they were really good at it and so this song you know what 21 and he did this probably was younger because he had to record it so he might have been 19 or 20 while he was recording yeah and just going in there and like laying down everything man like the bass the guitar all the synth parts um probably couldn't program the drums back then because he didn't really have you know drum machines like that back then so he's sitting down that's him on the drums like yeah and it sounds good (laughs) it's not it's not garbage you know yeah when we All lose right. David Bowie, that'll hurt. Not David Bowie, but when we lose Dave Grohl, that'll hurt too. <laughs> I mean, not to, you know, if knock on some wood here, you know. Um, All right. So that was number. That was number two. Okay. So my number two is. Um, it's, I, I just like how this song was put together and kind of the what the lyrics were about. You know, this was he was being socially conscious and had the. Um, capacity to do that and so my number two is Sign of the Times mm-hmm. from the album Sign of the Times yeah I think this was the third or fourth song I added to playlists when they finally <laughs> put them on Spotify thank you Jesus <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. and you know you're right the lyrics of this song are, are I guess the Sign of the Times is what he was going for yeah. um, very descriptive I like them, and they're very socially conscious. Um, and I liked how listening to it now, you don't hear a lot of like songs that have synthes that you're using synthesizers, drum machines, but it's also stripped down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's telling it, telling that story. <laughs> It sounds bizarre, but it, it could actually be true. Like, mm-hmm. okay, he's high on crack and has a machine gun. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a little bunch. Hey, sign <laughs> of the times, man. Standing at the Berlin Wall, I don't know. I like the just the the the, the synth line there. Um, I think of old computers and. I don't know. It's it's just a. I like that line. I don't know why. Like that's the line that stands out to me. My cousin tried reverb for the very first time. That I don't know why that line just stands out to me. Uh, this was an album that was nominated for album of the year. Who did it lose to? Because I, I bet it was a I think we, year. I think we talked about this. Was this that year? I think it was the same year as like when Bad came out. Oh god. <laughs> Um, that was a monster year. If this is the year we're thinking of, 
Yeah, I think this was like 1987. Um, like the Joshua Tree. And... I, yeah, I think also the Joshua Tree. <laughs> that was... And Bad was in that category. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a that was yeah. a good year. That was yeah. a very good year. So Sign of the Times from Sign of the Times is my number two. So Ben, number one, what you got? This is the song, the first song I listened to when I found out Prince died. And this is How Come You Don't Call Me. Um, and had I gone on that, that the, you know, had I gone to the show that Prince did where he was just him playing piano, um, I probably would have died if he played this song because that's all it is. It's just him, a piano, and like a foot stomp, it sounds like, and like a, a snap or something, you know, and after the first chorus. And it's utterly beautiful. And Alicia Keys did it no justice. Her version was the first one I heard. Um, and I can't remember how I heard his version. Um, but when I did, like, it wasn't even fair. Like, his version is so good. And it's just so... Another one of those kind of like, you know... The lyrics aren't necessarily haunting. But the fact that it's just, you know... A piano. And a singer. Now this is one where I prefer his version to... The, yeah. the hit cover version. Yeah. Um, it's simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like the, the foot stomp. Yeah, like it's just... <laughs> I, yeah. And like, I think that's what kind of made it for me. Yeah. I was like, yes... Yeah, it's just so mm, just stripped down and like when I think of when I think of a songwriter I just think of you know somebody sitting at a piano and just like grinding out a song uh, this was released as a b-side mm-hmm. to 1999 yeah. um, it's first uh, album appearance was on the hits slash the b-sides which I got 17 days from. And it was later <laughs> included on the soundtrack to Girl 6. Yeah, and that's where I found it. Not not because I saw the movie, but just because um, I was looking for the song and they had it on the soundtrack. This was in the days of LimeWire um, and E-Mule and all those things. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, this was um, yeah, this was the first song. And I believe also like the day after I had like a team meeting or something. I just no. As a matter of fact, that no, that day I had a team meeting, and as they walked in, I had this song playing in his honor. Um, and I think there were a few people who hadn't heard it before, <laughs> who were familiar with it. And I was like, "How do you not know this?" So, so yeah, this was, and of course, one night alone. His live album is not on Spotify. So much. I mean, oh, I don't think it was. Is it? Is it? Because I didn't see it on there. I, I thought I saw a live album on here. I really wish that, uh, you know, thank you to everything Spotify has done to get his music on there. But we're, we're still missing a lot. Yeah. We're still missing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Most notably musicology, but just, yeah, we're still missing quite a bit. And I mean, I get it. It's not but, on here. I thought his live album was on here. I, th- I swear I saw it. There's a lot of Maybe music. Not. Prince but, a yeah, lot of stuff. <laughs> so I get it. Like the most recent album they have is Artificial Age, but I think it came out with like three more. Yeah. <laughs> after that. Yeah. So, and I, I still yeah. can't believe they don't have musicology on there. Like that was almost like his comeback. Yeah. Like that was that was a big album. And so it just makes me wonder. But I'm starting to see now there's a lot of albums not on there. Um Elegantly Wasted by NXS isn't on there. But you can get it in Australia. 
apparently. <laughs> yeah, oddly enough. Rest in peace, Michael Hutchins. Um, that'd be an interesting story to talk about right there. Yeah. Yeah. But no, this song. Yeah. All right. So uh, it's your number one. Mm-hmm. Um, my number one, uh, as I said, with, with what we put on this list, it could change tomorrow. Yeah. Cause when you, as soon as you <laughs> said this song, I was like, how could I forget? <laughs> so this is, this is really one of my favorite songs by Prince. I, it may not be number one tomorrow, maybe number five, but, um, I still love it. It's diamonds and pearls. It's awesome uh, song. <laughs> this could be played at any wedding mm-hmm. uh your prom yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually a bunch of proms just happened this weekend i saw it's all over instagram um yeah. i i like this because it was um you know it's i guess it's kind of a probably wouldn't expect it to be like a power ballad and that's what kind of what it yeah. is to me uh, also includes backing vocals from Rosie Gaines. Oh, that was her on there. Okay. I believe that was. Let me let me confirm that. I believe it was Rosie Gaines on the background vocals. So I know she later came out with an album, which I think my mom has. Yeah, this is this song. Um, yeah, this was so. This was from which was this Diamonds and Pearls name of the album? Yeah. Okay. Was this his second album as the as the symbol? Uh, no, this was credited as Prince in the New Power Generation. New Power Generation, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, I think this was his... Was this the second album as... As the New Power Generation? As the New Power Generation? Or it might have been the first one. Okay, yeah, because he had Get Off on that album, Cream. And Cream. Money Don't Matter Tonight. Tonight. Yeah, that was a good record. That was a good record. Man. Yeah, I I probably, (laughs) if we did this again, this would probably be in my top five. (laughs) I may have five different songs. (laughs) I forgot how much I like this song. I probably put Cream in there, too. (laughs) So many songs. Cream will be in there. I might put You Got the Look. Uh, if oh, I was your girlfriend, God, I forgot about you. Got the look, glamorous life, was, glamorous yeah. life, pop life, man. Alphabet Street, yeah. Um, my name is Prince, man. Seven, yeah. That was no. I, I think that I think, and so we talked about this before we re- recorded. Um, one of our old college friends, Josh. If you're out there listening, huge Prince. He's the biggest Prince fan I know. Yeah. Um, I I think Seven is his favorite Prince song. I know um, there's another. Well, there's someone I I know, uh, Russell. He's a uh, uh, also a big Prince fan, and he has a, a podcast, The Long and Late Movie Show, which talks about movies. But there's a segment. Um, it's like a kind of a very weird trivia game. He mm-hmm. played this guest called the Seven, yeah. but he would play like the beginning part <laughs> of Seven <laughs> to introduce the segment. So yeah. Um, I love this part. I don't know why. Very call and response, but I just like it. The pearls of love. Um, so, yeah. Like I said, if we did this list tomorrow, uh, there's also The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah. Um, 
in musicology, as you mentioned, yeah. Cinnamon Girl. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. Cinnamon Girl. And is... we, we didn't even include When Doves Cry. Yeah. Or would... Purple Rain. Now, have you ever heard him perform that with the bass line in there? It sounds interesting. Because they play their live shows, they'll add the bass line in there. I, I still prefer without the bass line. Um, would, would Pray by, by MC Hammer count? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. Because um, he's credited as a writer because of the sample. He sampled it. Yeah. I, I wonder if he even like approved that. I, I think there's another. Didn't he sample Soft and Wet too? Yeah, he, I, well, I don't know if he's. I can't. Remember. I know he has a song called "Soft, yeah, Soft and Wet." Didn't he it too? I can't remember. I don't think he did. Other than the title, mm. maybe Prince threatened to beat him up, like he threatened <laughs> to hurt Sinead O'Connor. So. <laughs> man, five foot three people, man. Yeah, watch out for him. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for our because five Prince songs. Um, we may do another one and just pick five we'll different pick five songs. more songs. I could totally do that. <laughs> All right, um, so we're going to get to my earworm of the week. Let's see where our recording lies. Okay, not bad. My earworm of the week, um, one of my favorite uh, artists I've been listening to uh, lately is, uh, this will be her second entry on on the earworm playlist, is George Maple. Now, George Maple, this is a a woman. This is her stage name (laughs) is George Maple. Um, she was, uh, she's worked with flume people who know about him. Um, also what's so not. And, um, I think it was on our episode with about the temptations movie, uh, where my earworm was her song sticks and horses Okay. for this. And yes, the song is on the we lit. Oh yeah. You know, I was going to (laughs) ask, uh, this is a song that came out a couple weeks ago. It's called kryptonite. And um, it has elements of trap music, and then it kind of sounds like um, some early '90s techno or late '90s techno. It's that like that four on the floor beat. It's slowed down just a little bit. I, I just really, I just really like it. Um, so this is Kryptonite. Yes, it's not a, it's not a Three Doors Down cover. I was thinking more Big Boy and uh, Killer Mike, but not that either. I see where you're coming from. <laughs> So this is Kryptonite by George Maple, and we'll be right back.
Kryptonite. That is Kryptonite by George Maple. Um, it's a single as of right now. Uh, she hasn't come out with an album yet. But um, maybe soon. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Like that. What's the name of that again? Kryptonite. right here latest release yep all right so uh that's gonna bring us to the end of the episode we're coming up on that hour and a half mark that we aimed for in the beginning <laughs> <laughs> so uh ben why don't you tell the people where they can find us Ooh, you can find us let me let me always count my fingers here potomatic yes you can find us i'm gonna android first Castbox, mm-hmm. tune in radio google play um, Satchel Podcast Player, iTunes, and um, there's a seventh one that I cannot think of. I can't remember what you just named. <laughs> I think those are all of them. Yeah. And then, of course, it, by the time you hear this dot com, which has a link um, to the podcast and talked about the articles we talked about. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Facebook dot com slash by the time you hear this spell with the word you. You can find us on Instagram at by the time you hear this spelled with the Letter U because we're upstanding. Yes, we are. We are very upstanding. Same spelling for our email at gmail.com. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and we're not just blowing smoke. We would love to hear from you. Um, let us know what you think. Um, I mean, I know we have our list of the top episodes, you know, by download. Um, but, you know, maybe you have an episode that you like this not on there and you want to give us feedback on it. Let's hear it. We want to hear it. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, many ways to listen, ways to contact us. Um, yeah. Um, I really have nothing else to add to that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, um, well, I I think what we, I think what, maybe we've just been doing this subconsciously, but I'll pick what we start the show with. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you have your earworm first, mm-hmm. and then I have my earworm second, and then you pick the song to end with. I think that's what I've been doing like for a while now. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's a Prince song that we could we could end this with, man? Hmm. Hmm. He paid tribute to the Foo Fighters, "Darling Nikki." I think that'd be. His version or, or is their uh, version even on Spotify? Let's see. Let me check my Prince covers playlist. <clears throat> see if it's on there. It is not. It is not. Oh, that's sad. Cause I think it was on, it was a single version. They did a lot of good covers. Um, then let's, let's go with, um, cream. Get on top. (laughs) (laughs) I love the hollow body he had in that video. The guitar, hollow body guitar. Yeah. I like all of his guitars. And ironically enough, he has said, well, he had said, because, you know, but he said in interviews before that, um, that the cymbal guitar sounds awful. Like he doesn't like it. (laughs) He said it sounds bad. I've never really paid attention to how it sounds. I think his Telecaster sounds the best, honestly. But yeah, he straight said like, yeah, that guitar is just so loud and just awful and doesn't sound good. 
It so. was just it was just for looks, basically. <laughs> and I mean, I can't imagine like with the way the wood's made anyway, because for people who might not know, the type of wood and the way it's made can have an effect on how a guitar sounds. So it's probably just the way it, the the sound resonates with the wood and everything. Um, but like this song, Cream has like, sort of a rockabilly feel to it anyway, with some of the guitar playing and. Um, he had that really nice hollow body in the video, in the vest and everything. It was, it was a cool video. Yeah. All right. So we're going to end the show with Cream, uh, also from the album Diamonds and Pearls. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to do it for our show. So we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.